The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out, the Inner Revolution, with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, The Other Side of Afghan Women. Meet Dr. Sakina Yakubi and see courage in action. Honored for her courage and vision, Dr. Sakina Yakubi is human like us, yet has had to face daunting conditions which continue to the present day. In 1990, Sakina returned from the United States to establish education, health, and training programs in the Afghan refugee camps in Pakistan. In 1995, she founded the Afghan Institute of Learning to continue her work. But when the Taliban came to power, they devastated women's rights, including access to education. Instead of crumbling, Sakina worked with the communities to establish home schools. The resulting years have seen an astounding litany of accomplishments, including the rebuilding of Afghan society. How has she done it? How did her organization found 80 secret schools under the Taliban at the risk of death? And what about today? Although no longer in control of the national government, the Taliban and repressive attitudes toward women still have a hold. We have often seen the anguish of Afghan women. What's happening now? Stay tuned and find out. And now, here's Beth from the Inside Out. Welcome, 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 everybody, to Inside Out, the Inner Revolution. And I am so excited that today we're going to be talking to uh, Sakina Yakubi. And, um, you know, I'm just, I really want to know, because, you know, we get these ideas about things from the news, and we don't always get the full picture. So it's so fantastic that we will be privileged to talk to a woman who's dedicated her life to helping everyone in uh, Afghanistan, not just women, of course, because when you help women, you're helping children, you're helping boys, you're helping everyone. Um, So I'm very, very honored and pleased and excited to find out much more about Afghanistan from the inside out. But first, we have James with the news of the inner revolution. Take it away, James. James, I don't hear you, so I bet nobody else does either. Thank you, Beth. (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, our first item of news is that Obama has just unveiled a major climate change proposal. This is reported on CNN this past Sunday. The Obama administration unveiled a major climate change plan on Sunday aimed at a large reduction in greenhouse gas emissions from the nation's coal-burning power plants. The Clean Power Plan is the final version of regulations by the Environmental Protection Agency, which Barack Obama called the biggest, most important step we've ever taken to combat climate change. Under the plan, the administration will require states to meet specific carbon emission reduction standards based on their individual energy consumption. Critics said that the plan will bring unwelcome increases in electricity prices. Gina McCarthy, administrator of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, said the plan would cost a total of $8.4 billion, but the total benefits are expected to be $34 billion to $54 billion. 
A multi-million dollar campaign backed by the energy industry has sought to debunk the science of climate change. But polls show most Americans believe the planet is warming. Coal supplied 37% of U.S. electricity in 2012, compared to 5% from renewable resources such as wind and solar, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration. The climate change plan would ultimately eliminate all carbon-producing sources of power. Another related article from the Christian Science Monitor on August the 3rd, Why Obama is Doubling Down on New Climate Change Plan. A chorus of lawmakers, industry groups, and officials have called on the administration to curtail or abandon the proposed carbon limits on U.S. power plants. Boo! <laughs> but the Obama administration isn't budging. It's part of a concerted effort to uh, address the fact that both the United States and China are the two biggest carbon emitters and that they are now getting serious about decarbonizing its energy supply, their energy supplies. In just three short months, diplomats will convene in Paris talks for what is widely seen as a last-ditch effort to reach a substantive global climate deal. U.S. officials and others from around the globe have repeatedly said a strong showing from the U.S. is a prerequisite for action from other major emitters around the world. And the EPA estimates that the Clean Power Plan will help avoid up to 3,600 premature deaths result in 90,000 fewer asthma attacks in children, and prevent 300,000 missed work and school days. Expecting a tough fight, the White House will launch an all-out climate push by the president and cabinet officials to fan out to sell the plan to the public. You know, I'd like to say weeks, something yeah, now, James, because yes. uh, we have enough on that. Uh, yes. What, uh, what is going on here is, why is this part of the inner revolution? Well, we're seeing that there's a lot of people who are very upset about climate change. And you're going to see people like the, uh, you know, the energy industry who are going to be doing this to try to stop forward momentum. And it's crazy. I mean, you, you're worrying about the price of electricity when you are having a devastated environment. Uh, you know, the seas are rising. We have hideous droughts. I just read that Puerto Rico is in drought. So why is part of the inner revolution? Well, the inner revolution is about our beginning to see truly that we are one and that we are connected. And when we do that, we start thinking in a different way. You know, if the, if the uh, uh, energy industry realizes like our children, the, the children of these executives, they have to live on the planet that we are leaving them. Right, And if you start thinking from oneness and you start thinking about accountability, that we are accountable for the impact of our behavior on one another, that we know that we're hurting the environment and we know that we're hurting people through hurting the environment, I, I don't think that we could continue. Uh, you know, the third tenet, so let me go over this again. Inner revolution is about oneness, realizing we're all connected. It's about accountability for our behavior, and it's about mutual support, about our recognizing we have to support the whole, and the whole will support us. But we're so used to fragmenting and polarizing. This is my interest. This is my company. This is my money. This is my income. So now we're seeing that there are people who are putting enough pressure on the government that Barack Obama has to say something. And that there, I mean, there's a wonderful story that James is going to share, but I think we're running out of time, James, uh, uh, to, to give too much detail on this. 
But, you know, there were people in Portland who were stopping, uh, you know, shell oil uh, from going to the Arctic to yeah. uh, an icebreaker. They need an icebreaker in the Arctic, right? Because they have to do drilling because we don't have enough trouble in the Arctic, right? And it's just appalling to me that this is still going on. But what the good news is, because we're about the good news, is that people are going out there and they're demonstrating and they're risking their lives and they're pressuring the government. It's all of our silence that allows these, these things to happen. I think that climate change is the thing that's waking people up the most. I would say that, you know, racism, there's a lot of things that are going on on our planet today that are showing that people are thinking uh, I, in fact, uh, James we, uh, has another story, but I'll just, uh, you know, summarize it about a march from Selma about voting rights. You know, the, it's, you know, we've had an erosion of the Voting Rights Act, which is keeping minorities from voting. Well, that is not being in the oneness. You know, that's being scared being scared of one another. Oh, like, oh, we can't have black people voting or Hispanics voting or God knows what, or poor people voting or young people voting because they might do something radical. Well, there are now marchers, one more time, demanding that, and Obama said it too, that we reinstitute the, um, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So there is movement in people's consciousness we are actually facing up more and more to the things that we've been doing. There has been so much complacency, so much just do for ourselves and think about me and my hairdo. And, you know, and when you see your planet disintegrating, that's why I, I hate the climate change issue. But why I love it is that everybody is affected and you can't deny it anymore, that we are having an impact on our planet, we have an impact on one another, and there is movement in people's consciousness around this. So um, thank you, James, for, uh, for those important pieces of news. You're and, uh, you know, we, uh, we have to move ahead, but I think that it's really important for us to remember that this inner revolution of people beginning to stand up and taking a stand on things, whether it's Greenpeace dangling from <laughs> bridges <laughs> or people <laughs> marching in Selma, this is not the silent time anymore. People aren't silent anymore. I am ecstatic about that. I think we should all be happy. We may not have the solutions, but we are asking the questions. And we realize that we cannot just accept the status quo anymore because the status quo is gone. There is no status quo. There's no place you can go in the world where you can escape the impact of climate change, for example. So I, I am saying this is fantastic that we're waking up to the terrible things that we are doing to ourselves and one another and to our planet and we are beginning to think more in terms of our connection and the one world. We are beginning to take more accountability. And we are beginning to understand that we have to support the whole. That when, if everybody isn't thriving, then nobody is thriving. So there it is. You know, last week we were interviewing Rebecca Parrish, who did this film called Radical Grace about the nuns and the um, Vatican. 
And, you know, these men act like the women's protest and they're going to social justice issues, like the men think that they're protecting themselves by, you know, this investigation of the nuns. But the reality is that the same hierarchy that has hurt the women has hurt the men. And we have to understand that we're all hurting ourselves with everything we do that's corrupt. Everything that we do that's prejudiced, that is degrading to others, is ultimately degrading to ourselves. So with no further ado, I want to introduce you to our wonderful guest, those of you who've been listening to Inside Out, you've been hearing a lot of stories out of Afghanistan from us in the last few weeks, just catching you up on some of the extraordinary things that are happening there. And um, Sakina Yakubi, I think, is a miracle just in herself. And I want to find out where she came from, how she got there, and how the rest of us can be inspired <laughs> to do the right thing. And to take the risks that we need to do in order to help everyone. So welcome, Sakina, to Inside Out, The Inner Revolution. Hi, Beth. Uh, <laughs> thank you. How are you? I am happy. Good. I, That's I'm, good news. That's good news, yes. I, I'm happy you're here. I'm happy to know there are people like you, like me, who are out in the world who are doing what we can. Yes. And... Um, there's so much for you to teach us and tell us and explain to us today, but can I start with just, I see that you went to the U.S. in the 1970s to study, and yes. uh, so obviously in your family, they believed in education for women. So I'd like to know a little bit about your family. Fine. Uh, I think that this is a good place to start uh, because it's really... Um, uh, show to the world that um, the men all are not against education and the men all are not um, dark-minded and they, they are all people who are open-minded individual and one of those people was my father. God mm. bless him. Um, I born in a, a, a family that uh, my father didn't make a difference to him if his firstborn is a, a girl or a boy. He's going to treat them the same way. And I born in Herat, Afghanistan. And when I born, I was the firstborn, and my father decided that he is going to treat me as, uh, as a human being, not as a boy, not as a girl. Mm-hmm. Treating me as a human being, he gave me opportunity to go to school. He gave me opportunity to learn. He gave me opportunity to be myself. He gave me opportunity to ask questions. He gave me opportunity to join him to go to a party. He gives me opportunity to really share and love, and he gives me opportunity to be uh, one of the individuals that really uh, you can call it a naughty girl. I was a naughty girl, and <laughs> I could ask any question. I could create a problem. I could do all kinds of things. So, uh, but at the same time, I was disciplined. So it doesn't mean that, oh, well, my father let me to go anywhere I want to or anything I want to, but at the same time, he gave me this uh, feeling of a freedom that I could feel the love in his heart, in my heart, and I could see that um, he is giving me opportunity. And that really nurtured me from through my childhood. And if you really... Um, I, I am sure that you don't have that much time, and I don't have that much time. But since I was uh, four years old, they put me in a mosque. At the time, there wasn't a school that the girls can go, and they always, the boys and the girls went to school in a mosque to learn uh, religious texts. 
So I went, after four years old, I went to the mosque, and by the time that I was in six years, I finished most of the um, textbook that it is uh, regarding a, a religious tax. I finished every one of them. And so the mullah told my father that there is nothing else that she can learn. And so I came back, and of course, in the age of six, they put me through school. And by that time, when I went through school, of course, since I knew all this stuff, so I didn't have a hard time in school. I was in the first person in my class. And as a matter of fact, most of the time I was acting as a teacher because uh, <laughs> the teacher sit there and led me to run this classroom, you know. So, of course. <laughs> you were getting course. leadership opportunity. Absolutely. Training absolutely. at such an early age. Ab- absolutely. And as a result, I felt it good about myself more and more. I, I gained more uh, self-confidence. And I was doing uh, things that uh, for my age, people will not do that. But anyway, um, to tell the longest story short, it was a time that Afghanistan was a beautiful country. I loved my country. It had a beautiful sky, beautiful mountain, beautiful sunshine. The sky is all over at night. I go everywhere at night with my family for just a visiting relative. The door of our house was open. Uh, we don't have to be scared that somebody's going to grab us or somebody's going to rob me or something like that. And when I went to school, I was very comfortable walking to my school, going to my school. Uh, it, those are the feelings and those were the times that I really remember all the time about Afghanistan. Oh so when gosh. I finished uh, high school, it was, uh, it was uh, a situation that I could not stay in Afghanistan. This was, war was coming. So my father being who he was, uh, so he allowed me to come to the United States. So I came to the United States. I completed my education. It wasn't easy. I can go through it very, very fast to you. Oh, wait, wait. We have to go to a commercial break, and then I want you to come back and tell, tell us all about that. But before you do, what was it that was, that was starting? You sa- I thought you said something, and I missed a word, about why your father wanted to send you to the United States. Because the situation, it was the situation that Afghanistan was bad, a lot of distraction, a lot of people were talking about war, war is coming, Russian is coming. Oh, war, okay, uh-huh. yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, we are going to leave everybody with this cliffhanger. What Thank happened you. to Sakina after this? We are going to commercial bake, but, but you stick around if you want to hear the rest of this story. <laughs> I do. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Revolutionize your life and your world with a new attitude and a new way of being. Learn how at www.theinnerrevolution.org. At Beth's website, you will find effective tools, processes, teachings, and more to help you become the person you want to be and co-create the world you want to live in. Sign up for Beth's newsletter and get a free PDF of her comprehensive book, Living with Reality, a manual for living with real answers and proven tools. Book a private 15-minute consultation with Beth that will astound you with its depth and transformative power. Learn about Beth's other books, YouTube channel, School of Intuitive Counseling, music, upcoming workshops, trainings, and remarkable community, theinnerrevolution.org, which offers all kinds of help, including low-fee counseling and free support. 
The inner revolution requires us to heal our hearts and awaken our minds. Find both at Beth's website, theinnerrevolution.org. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're tuned in to Inside Out, The Inner Revolution, with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Inside Out, The Inner Revolution. Hi, welcome back to Inside Out, The Inner Revolution. We're talking to Sakina Yakubi. I'm going to make her rewind just a minute because I was just asking her during the break, you know, was her father unusual? And she was in the middle of answering that. So take it away, Sakina. I'd like to hear that before we get you to the U.S. Yes, in one way, my father was unusual. In another way, my father was like a regular man, like any other man. And But he had a vision. He was the kind of person that... Uh, since I was born and I was around him, for him didn't make difference that uh, this is what ethnic group is this person or this is a boy, this is a girl, this is a woman, this is a man. So it, he was he had a vision that all human beings are equal and mm-hmm. he treated me equal. So mm-hmm. that is the environment that I grew up, and that's the way that I I feel up today. I feel the same thing. You know, I just want to share something very briefly with you because I don't want to interrupt your your story, is that I was brought up feeling that men and women were equal. And uh, I'm 70. So, you know, that was in the days when it wasn't so. But I was brought up that way. My parents, I came from a Jewish family, and that's the way they, 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 everybody brought up their children. And I was shocked, shocked when I went out in the rest of the world and discovered that they didn't think the same way. <laughs> So, so, you know, it must have been difficult for you because not everybody thought the way your father did. And what an admirable guy he was. Well, as I said, my father was really unusual. Uh, Maybe not everyone feels the same thing like him, but there were some people that they feel the same thing. Maybe not the extent that he was feeling the same thing. Maybe a little different, a little higher or lower. In that level, but he really was a, a, a person with vision. So that's how I really feel that he was that kind of individual that treated me like that. And I learned that all my life that men and women are equal. That's fantastic. So now, so now we get on to, so you come to the U.S. to study. Yes. Uh, well, uh, once I came to the United States, it's uh, some, somehow... You know, you have to know a little bit about Afghanistan, what happened and what happened to my situation. That happy child that I came to the United States to do my yeah. complete my education, it's, uh, it's turned to be sour a little bit because yeah. uh, my country was invaded by Russian. I, yes. There was day and night that I didn't know if my family are alive or dead. So I live in this country, but at the same time, I really had the desire to go back home. But here I get the message that you cannot come back home because Russians are going to capture you. As a matter of fact, Russians invaded my uh, uh, home. My family was uh, sort of their privacy was invaded. So my family were in the refugee camp. So when I hear this kind of thing in trying to complete my education, it wasn't a... Is a, a happy time for me. Oh. But one thing I knew that I have to complete my education no matter what. 
And yeah. It's, yeah. it was a hardship. It was very hard for me to do it, but I really um, did all kinds of odd jobs in this country. I had partial scholarship, but I completed my education. And always I was thinking about Afghanistan. Always I wanted to go back to Afghanistan to do something that uh, helped my people, helped my uh, country. But uh, then I knew at the same time that if I do something like that, my family has to be out because I was doing that. How about my family, my sister, brother? They, they do want to do that? No, they do not want to. Maybe they do not want to be there. So, and as a result, so I brought my family in the uh, U.S., and then as soon as I brought them here and they settled, so I went back to oh. refugee camp. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, for us, a lot of people didn't know that Russia had invaded Afghanistan, so I'm very glad that you raised that issue. But, you know, it's like, think about yourself. You've gone to Paris, you know, for a, a degree in art, and in the process, uh, you, the country is invaded by the Dominican Republic. Uh, you know what I mean? Of course, it would be silly because it would be invaded by a much larger thing. I mean, but think about what that would feel like to be so cut off from what's going on, to be so afraid, to be worried about your family. Uh, I can only imagine what you were going through and uh, how smart that was for you to bring people here so that you wouldn't have that on your mind and you could just do what you felt you needed to do without that pulling on you. Yes, that that was, I think, one of the smart things that I did. I brought my family here and then I felt that I have to go back to Afghanistan but at the, at the time, I could not go back to Afghanistan. Uh, I went to the refugee camp in Peshawar, Pakistan. And when I went there, really, I went there to just do some work for maybe a few months there. But once I went there and I looked at the refugee camp, I did a survey. I went from camp to camp. And I find the situation devastated. I saw people right and left, people were losing their member of their family, there were widows, there were children, there were old men, there were young men, everybody was desperate sitting in the refugee camp not doing anything. And it's really at that moment was the moment for me that mm-hmm. I felt that I have to do something that mm-hmm. changed their life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was thinking about myself, what changed my life? And mm-hmm. the thing that changed my life, it was education. Yeah. And I felt it that education is something that it really gives you freedom, it gives you a status, it really helps you to help others, and also it helps you to really be an individual, to really have a conscience. And that is I wanted to give, because that was what I had. And yeah. from that moment, I decided I'm going to help these women, these children, to get education. But education, what do we mean by education? Any kinds of education or special education? And I felt that when I was a child in Afghanistan, the system of education was road memorization. And by road memorization, people are not learning. You don't do critical thinking. So my objective was to really teach critical thinking. In order to teach critical thinking, then you have to have the best teacher in the classroom. In order to have the best teacher in the classroom, then you have to do teacher training. So that's any kinds of education or special education. And I felt that when I was a child in Afghanistan, the system of education was road memorization. And by road memorization, people are not learning. You don't do critical thinking. 
So my objective was to really teach critical thinking. In order to teach critical thinking, then you have to have the best teacher in the classroom. In order to have the best teacher in the classroom, then you have to do teacher training. So that said, I went through the teacher training. And it wasn't easy because at that time, Russia was just left Afghanistan. There were majority groups were fighting. And also, at uh, the same time, people did not want their daughter to go to school. So even in the refugee camp, people were hesitating because they were sort of comparing the system of Russia with what happened to Afghanistan, that because Russia invaded Afghanistan, our country fell apart. So they didn't want anything to do with education. So as a result, they, was re- they were resenting education. So because of that, so we start working on trying to see who can be and sort of um, uh, helping us to really um, build this system of education. So we did survey. I did survey with my few people with me. So day to day we went to different villages, to different campsites to see who is going to be somebody that went. And you know what? Finally, I find an old man who was a mullah again. He was mm-hmm. a mullah. And I went and I told him that I want him to be a teacher. And of course, you know, he laughed at my face and he said, oh, you must be a crazy woman. You want to train me to be a teacher. And I said, yes, I will train you to be a teacher. And he said, I'm a mullah. I cannot be a teacher. So uh, day and day I went and I sat with him and I drank tea with him. And until finally one day said, okay, go ahead and train me how you train me to be a teacher. Oh, my God. That's an amazing story. Yes. And then it it was amazing. And so I trained him. And as a matter of fact, I trained several members of his family to be a teacher. And I put a tent inside this compound, is in his tent, and inside this compound, and one tent, and then after that, seven tent, like about 300 yards were inside his compound. And then the news spread, and as soon as the news spread, everybody who was a doctor, lawyer, engineer, teacher, everybody was sitting in the camp doing nothing. They come and they said, they want to give me their place, and they want to open a school. So oh. we started. Start oh. opening the school. So in oh. in one year, we start building a school. We built 27 schools, 15,000 students. So it went on and on, and we start teacher training. And this news, of course, at the same time, traveled to Afghanistan. And at that time, Taliban were inside. So they were inside Afghanistan, and they request a school. And how I am saying to them, yes, it was very very hard wait, to wait, say you, yes. Wait, they because, said, you said that they uh, requested a school? Yes, they, the, the, the people of Afghanistan re- oh. requested, not okay. the Taliban, the oh, people the of Taliban. Afghanistan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the people who are living in different cities, because yeah. they hear that in Pakistan, children are going to school, and they are learning very well. And so, as a result, they wanted to have educational system inside Afghanistan. So... It wasn't easy. Again, we have to go and talk to the people and really set up like a contract with them to say that this is the way we will do it. If you really first give us the police, community has to give us the police, and community have to protect the school, and community have to give me the teacher, and then I will help you. So this, this was uh, acceptable to them because they said yes. And the reason we did that, because if they were not agree, we will not be able to operate. Absolutely not. not. 
No, yeah, so be- again, again, uh, these were, you had men and women teachers that you were training? Well, at the time, there was only women. At the okay. time, there were only women. Except but- for the mullah. Oh, yes. but in, in Pakistan, there was the in, mullah. In Pakistan, there were men and women, yes. Oh, was, but in Afghanistan, it was only women. Only women, yes. Okay. Only women. And women were teaching, and the only girls were going into those schools, home school. And we mm-hmm. called them home school. So we had about 80 schools, 3,000 students. But the condition has to be very, um, I mean, uh, very strong, strongly we have to monitor. Constantly we were monitoring. They were monitoring that nothing will, like, slip. Because if any news goes out, then it would be the end of the teacher, the end of the students, the end of us. So we really were very, very careful. But, you know, in the five years that the Taliban were ruling Afghanistan, we had a school in four provinces of Afghanistan. And those people, to give a news, good news, today those are the people who are doctors, engineers, lawyers, and teachers. And they are the ones that really is taking part in the infrastructure or building of Afghanistan, you know? And that oh. is something that I am so proud of them, you know? And oh, my every gosh. time I tell you, every time I turn my face in different side and somebody call me or start, means professor, and they know me from that time, you know? So yeah. this is something that I am very thankful that what happened during that time. Um, that, yes, you know. the story I, I, of my life. This is a fascinating, fascinating story because, you know, I'm talking about the inner revolution and how people have to stand up and what you're describing. And I want everybody to really appreciate. I'm sure everybody's feeling the same way I am. It's like, oh, my God, this is such an amazing story, is that it's really the people themselves. Now, you had a crucial role in all of this, you know, I, and I'm not trying to, uh, you know, d- deny it or, or minimize it. But if it weren't for the courage of the people themselves, the ordinary people, this would not have happened. They had to keep quiet. They had to keep their children quiet. They had to take the risks. They had to come to you. It's like the, it's something in people that they had that courage, that foresight, that realization, that strength. Uh, well, this, uh, is, uh, this is something that is tell you about civil society. When civil society wants to do something, they want to accomplish something, they will go in any length to, to accomplish that. And as you are saying... If I didn't have civil society with me, the, just, the, just the normal people, if I didn't have the, my staff, the teacher with me, if I didn't have my uh, administrative staff with me, I don't think I could do what I did because no. you need the cooperation and collaboration, your entire team, to do the work. And one of the reasons, today a lot of people come and tell me that EOL is, why EOL is successful Several reasons that EOL is very successful. Yes, we are one of the largest women organizations in Afghanistan. We have reached 12 million people so far. And we are working around the health education, around education, and also around awareness. And today our program is compared to the first when I start. It is a huge difference. Mm-hmm. First of all, the knowledge of people is increased. People are now looking things in a different situation, in a different way. People are asking questions. People are critical thinkers, you know. Mm-hmm. And yes. above all that, the future of the 
country or the young people, and we are working with the young men and young women, and they are smart, they are intelligent, and they are so pure, and they are so fast learners. They want to do something. They want to bring the change, and that's happening in Afghanistan. That's one thing that a lot of people are asking me, aren't you discouraged? I said, absolutely no. Why? Because I could see through the eyes of these young men and young women that they have hope, and I get courage from them. I have hope. And when you see that hope and you go after it, and continuously you see progress is taking place. Continuously yeah. you see progress is taking place. Yes, there is problem. Yes, yeah. we have a situation in Afghanistan today. But if you compare the young woman today in Afghanistan compared to the young woman 10 years ago, absolutely there is no comparison because today a young woman is not satisfied with just sixth grade education. A young yeah. woman wants to continue going to school and getting higher education. A young woman, you ask what do you want to be, she will answer you. She wants to be the president. She wants to be a parliament <laughs> member. She wants to be a, a lawyer. Absolutely. And she wants to be something bigger and bigger that you can imagine. You could see we have pilot, we have a, a parliament member, we, we have people who are running for, to be a president. They are women. They are young women. And our young society is just radiating. And that is one thing that, um, yes, I am an old lady, but sure enough, I get energy from them, and I non-stop, I run. I run with them because I see future bright and bright day by day, you know? I believe in old ladies. You and me, <laughs> the old ladies of the world, you know, who stuck around. Well, and what, one quick question, because we're going to be taking a commercial break in like a minute. But uh, what about the young men? Do they have different attitudes towards women, too, because of the education they've received? Well, well, that is, I, I will tell you one thing, that one of the reasons that I said is special education. What do I mean by special? When you teach quality education, and in quality education, you integrate into your curriculum different kind of objectives. The objective is that you teach uh, gender equality, you teach mm-hmm. peace education, you teach health education, and you teach critical thinking. When you teach these different subjects, you are young men who are taking the class. They are not going to be the same thing that the young men uh, 10 years ago or 15 years ago were because they yeah. are thinking that I have the same capacity as a woman and a woman has the same capacity as me. And they could see it right in front of their eyes that a woman can be anything and they can yeah. do a better job if not I didn't hear you say that. Well, I, you know, we have to. Well, certainly as good as, or if not better. Yeah, wasn't it last week, James, that we had a piece of news about men demonstrating and men this uh, Kabul taxi or something that they're talking about? Uh, You know, men are really standing up more and more. The young men are standing up for women, and it's it benefits everyone. This is so exciting. We have to take a commercial break right now, but stick on your seat because we will back shortly and we are going to hear more of this fascinating and exciting story. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
Revolutionize your life and your world with a new attitude and a new way of being. Learn how at www.theinnerrevolution.org. At Beth's website, you will find effective tools, processes, teachings, and more to help you become the person you want to be and co-create the world you want to live in. Sign up for Beth's newsletter and get a free PDF of her comprehensive book, Living with Reality, a manual for living with real answers and proven tools. Book a private 15-minute consultation with Beth that will astound you with its depth and transformative power. Learn about Beth's other books, YouTube channel, School of Intuitive Counseling, music, upcoming workshops, trainings, and remarkable community, theinnerrevolution.org, which offers all kinds of help, including low-fee counseling and free support. The Inner Revolution requires us to heal our hearts and awaken our minds. Find both at Beth's website, theinnerrevolution.org. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're tuned in to Inside Out, The Inner Revolution, with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To share your questions and comments, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Inside Out, The Inner Revolution. Welcome back to Inside Out, The Inner Revolution. And if you have tuned in late, you are listening to Dr. Sakina Yakubi, who is uh, this incredible Afghan woman. But it's not just that she's an incredible Afghan woman. She's telling us the story about incredible people and and what they're doing and, and what they have faced. And it, it just, I was just sharing with Sakina in the break, you know, it's like, it is so difficult for us to break things open right here in the United States. You know, I was talking about the inner revolution. Every, what Sakina is describing is that inner revolution. People feeling their oneness and their connection, coming together as community, being accountable, supporting the whole. And, and we have in this society a lot of difficulty breaking out of our own traditional thinking. You know, we think we're so advanced. And we say, oh, Afghanistan, they're, they're so backward. But I'm not saying that everything in Afghanistan is great or that there isn't a lot of struggle. But we have, we're not that advanced. <laughs> you know, we're very narrow in our thinking. And uh, there's a lot of people who have not made the fight for equality and who haven't understood, uh, you know, that we're all in this together. And so I'm sitting there listening and I'm almost envious. Not that I envy Sakina's life or what happened in Afghanistan, but I'm just amazed and inspired. And I'm sure that everybody out there, you know, who's listening is feeling the same. Or I hope everybody out there who's listening is feeling the same way. It's like, if you guys can do it, what's, why can't we? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why are... It's, I mean, what you're talking about, I've done video after video. I have a, a, a YouTube channel, Beth Green TV, talking about starting to think. When are we going to think? We need critical thinking. I, I feel so aligned with you that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just that you have done, you know, like service, health care and stuff like that, but you're really dealing with people's minds and, and really encouraging people to think think and how critical that is for all of us if we are going to change our world in a, in a positive direction. Anyway. One, yeah. one other thing that I really would like to share with you, but that 
yeah. when you give the um, uh, sort of the environment for the people to really, they have opportunity to grow and learn. And also, you treat them as equal and you don't look down on them. It uh, yes. doesn't make difference how um, little they know or how much they know. If yes. you really appreciate and respect them. And they really uh, gain self-confidence. One of these things that we do critical thinking, and when we have self-confidence, we can start. Please do not take me wrong that I said everybody has self-confidence. Everybody is just seeing yeah. equality. Every woman are equal, oh, or every man in Afghanistan see equal men and women. I am not saying that. But, yes, we start with something, and we are keep going in a rate that I myself, I am very surprised. The reason I think that, because people for 40 years, you know, it has been war in Afghanistan. For 40 years, we lost so many lives, mm-hmm. so many lives, that people are tired of war, you know, and people yes. want to really change, and people want to transform. And people yeah. also could see that war didn't accomplish anything yes. at all. You know, yes. people yeah. really want to have a stable life. People uh, are thirsty anger for their sustainability in their life. In order to have a sustainability in their life, they need a job, they need a skill, and when this job and skill is not available, uh, what they are going to do, they can sit all day they want to, they can just be against each other, but what is they are going to accomplish? <laughs> People need to really coordinate and collaborate with each other and yes. to work together to really accomplish something. I am sure in the United States, in Europe, and anywhere else, there is some issue, but we always have to look positively. As a matter of fact, the other day I was in Peace Education Conference, and we were talking about this, that, for example, some children in their school, I mean, they don't, uh, they are not disciplined, they are learn, not learning, they are not appreciating education in this country. And my issue is that, yes, in, in my country, children are learning into the empty classroom. There is sometimes not a ceiling over their head. There is yeah. only a blackboard. They don't have all these facilities. They don't have all these resources. But at the same time, believe me, but they are learning. They don't want to go out of their school. They want 24 hours to be in a school. <laughs> they are going in a school from morning to evening. They take after class. They go to fast-track classes, and they are just constantly transforming. But that's maybe, maybe not all of them, but most of them are doing. Maybe all the men is not changing their perception about yeah. women, but most of the men are changing. Maybe also. all women are not um, going outside and taking a job doing business, but believe me, a lot of women are going outside working, bringing um, salary at home, in supporting their family. There are many women who are doing businesses. They are traveling to different countries by themselves and trying to rebuild Afghanistan because they know that they are half of the population. If you lose half of your population, you cannot accomplish that much. So if you really want to really accomplish something, you have to count the other half, you know? So because of that, people are really working together. Yes, we have our problem. Yes, we have our issue. Please, the people who are listening, do not take me wrong. I'm not saying 100% Afghanistan completely, everything is done. Please, do not. I will not say that. Yes, we don't have road. We don't have water. We don't have electricity. We don't have economy. We have poverty all over. But 
But that is something that we are working on it. The government is working on it. We need a better system. Our system must be changed. In order for system to be changed, we all have to chip in. We cannot expect that the system will change overnight. Right. But in order the system to change, we all have to work together. We cannot sit and feel sorry for ourselves or we say the system is bad and we just, just bad, bad, bad. And one problem that I have in this country, always I hear the news, the only thing they said bad thing about Afghanistan, they have nothing to share with somebody else. For example, they are saying that, oh, well, people are of Afghanistan are um, sort of, they are this or they are that or they are against women or they are prejudiced or they are uh, fighting each ethnic. This is in every country is there. Yeah. <laughs> every country there is one religion group fight to other religion group, one ethnic group fight with another ethnic group. It, this is not only Afghanistan. No. Why Afghanistan all of a sudden becomes something that everybody sees that and is their radar that forget about Afghanistan. Afghanistan is never going to be a peaceful country because they have been fighting all the time. No. Yeah. I, I don't believe that. I well, think that there are good people in every country and there are bad people in the, uh, every country. And there are things could change. People are changeable. If they have the environment if they have the opportunity, if they have the um, resource, resource uh, yes, needed. Yes, yes, and the leadership, and uh, the leadership. And, and absolutely, and they need a good leadership. They yeah. need a good resource also. Also, well, they need resources. Yeah, and, and I don't want to. I don't want to give you the impression that nothing good is happening in in this country either. Because as I said, we're this is what we do. We talk about the good news. We talk about how people are changing. We are actually going through more change now than I have ever seen in my life because I see more people waking up and saying, this is wrong, this is wrong. I mean, how long have we, we don't have war. We take our own men and, throw the, and women and throw them in prison. Instead of helping people and educating people, we imprison people. We, we might as well be in a war. So, I mean, there are so many things that we're doing that are so irrational and that are damaging us. And I see a waking up. I think there's a waking up among the young people about racism, about gender equality. I really believe there's an inter-revolution taking place. Well, and well, I think, I think that people really yeah. need to be responsible. I think people yeah. need to be responsible. And we yes. uh, have to be, uh, have an ethics. We don't uh, just do wrong things. And we try to, uh, as an individual, try to look into ourselves, our conscience. And from inside, if we change, things will come, you know. But we always want to say, well, it's not me. It's the other guy who is doing right. wrong Okay, right. so we are not looking into ourselves. We are it's, looking for the other guy, and we say that person is wrong. This person is wrong. My, my, uh, me. I am fine. I am perfect. But if we take the mirror and look at ourselves in the mirror, we will see what we are, and exactly. we have to change that. Exactly. That's that's, what we have to do. that's why we're calling for the inner revolution, <laughs> because right, yeah. we need to be looking at ourselves. When I I saw a video about you, I just looked at you. I listened to you. I said. This woman is an inner revolutionary. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just feel such an affinity. So now tell us a little bit because, oh, my God, we're going to run out of time in a minute. I don't know where the time went. So what would you like to share with us that you haven't shared 
already about what's happening in Afghanistan. I know you're doing these peace uh, programs, forgiveness, yes. uh, uh, and you have your new radio show. <laughs> oh, yes, my God, you've got two minutes. Well, uh, in this two minutes, I would like to share with the people who are the audience that I really feel that, um, again, uh, with war you do not accomplish anything, and we find out in a hard way. And, you know, we have this uh, scholar, this writer from, from old, old time, and that they are the symbol of our peace, the symbol of our harmony in our country. And because of this war, we have been forgetting about them completely. For example, Maulana Rumi. Maulana Rumi has a, a concept that this concept is really guide us through life. It is guide us through life. It guide us to Quran. It connect us with our religion. It connect us with the society. It connect us with inner uh, self. It connect us with with peace. It connect us with many many things. But we completely forgot about it. As a matter of fact, we do not read this poetry. We do not think about it. But now, what AIL is doing through this peace conference, through love and forgiveness which I am so thankful to Fitzer Institute that they gave me the first uh, fund to do this conference. And now through this conference, we have been able to bring love and forgiveness through hundreds, thousands of people. We have given so far nine conferences inside Afghanistan that we share with different provinces of Afghanistan, and people are asking for it. And that really, I could see that it's transforming people. It's changing people. the same time, when we have the radio station, we just broadcast. What we do, we give different quality of um, uh, material in our uh, radio station. We broadcast the news, very little news, but good news. Also, we broadcast <laughs> like health education, ethics, responsibility, love and forgiveness, peace education, and good leadership, democracy. When we do that gender equality, when we do this, and but also in a break we have a soft music that is really translate the Maulana poetry. And when people go through that and constantly on the air, people are asking questions and they want this program. And I could see that when you want to change, bring the change or transform people, if you go through that channel, you will be much successful than going through war or going through weapon, or going through trying to really um, get power, be powerful, right, things like that. Right. Material here, here. is not going to accomplish us that much. That's right. You know, uh, I just want to tell the audience, Afghan Institute of Learning. Of Learning. Of Learning. Afghan Institute of Learning. You can look them up. It's in, we have a biography of Sakina online, which has the website. But you can also look her up and see all these incredible things she's doing. And James, could you quickly tell us what we're doing next week and then we can come back and wrap this up? Yes. Uh, next week, our program will be on women, men, and hierarchy. Climb the ladder or tear it down. Let's talk with Ann Smith, who has, is the coordinator and founder of the Circle Connections. And she gathers women from all around the world. And they've been working with new and different paradigms with circle gatherings and so on. And she's going to share with us uh, different ways of approaching how to be with each other without having to uh, necessarily try to climb up a hierarchy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sakina, I can't believe it. I waited so long to talk to you, and it's over already. I'm so disappointed. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank it's been you, great Beth. having it you. Was it was wonderful to uh, be interviewed by you, and uh, I am looking forward to see you somewhere in some conference, somewhere some uh, soon, pretty soon. Yes. Oh, I wish you know if you ever come to the West Coast. I'm I'm really very sick, Sakina. I haven't been able to leave my house in a long lot of years. So I don't go anywhere, but I go, I go via the internet, and I don't think this is the end. I could not believe that I would never talk to you again. Oh, I mean, well, I am sure that uh, I feel the same thing, and I will talk to you again. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. God bless, and thank you to the audience. Share this podcast. Let people know about what's going on in Afghanistan and what's going on in the human heart. Thank you. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out, The Inner Revolution, with Beth Green and James Maynard, next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think outside the box and have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management. Are you a real sports fan? 